Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Every year, millions of people flock to the Louvre in Paris and elbow each other for a glimpse at Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece, The Mona Lisa. The gallery where it's housed hosts as many as 30,000 visitors every single day, many of whom specifically visit the museum to see her. You could say she's popular. But there was a time when the Mona Lisa was not well-known, if you can imagine that, and it took a man named Vincenzo Perugia to launch her into stardom. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. The Mona Lisa has been described as, quote, the best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, the most parodied work of art in the world, end quote. She has been immortalized in everything from Andy Warhol's pop art to Dan Brown's best-selling novel, The Da Vinci Code. Dadaist artist Marcel Duchamp once caused a stir when he painted a mustache on a cheap reproduction of the piece. Italian master Leonardo da Vinci began painting the Mona Lisa in Florence, Italy in 1503, or 
possibly 1504, and probably completed it, uh, well, no one is certain when exactly he completed it. Some historians consider the painting to have been completed in about three or four years, although others suggest that it could have been finished any time up to the artist's death in 1519. It was then when the King of France, Francois I, purchased the work to hang in Fontainebleau, said to have been his favorite palace place. Fontainebleau was its home for more than a hundred years, until King Louis XIV took the painting to the newly built Palace of Versailles. After the French Revolution, the Mona Lisa found itself hanging in Napoleon Bonaparte's bedroom in the Tuileries for a few years, before it was finally installed in its permanent home at the Louvre. And that is where you'll find her still. Today, she is hung in the Salle des Etats, that is room 711. The portrait, and really, it's so well known, we probably don't even really need to describe any of this, but just real quick, imagine her. She is a woman dressed in Florentine fashion and pictured seated in a mountainous landscape. The work is a half-length portrait painted in oil on a poplar panel, and if you haven't seen it in person, it's actually quite smaller than many people imagine. It's roughly two and a half by two feet, or 77 by 53 centimeters. The piece is a just, just a beautiful example of this modern technique, which basically translates from Italian to English as to vanish like smoke. So this style creates subtle transitions between light and shadow and in between colors, but it's the subject's enigmatic expression, though, which has given the portrait universal fame. So the Mona Lisa, as Maria just alluded to, is known for her half-smile. But da Vinci's subject has been talked about and debated for centuries. One of the most common things said about the piece is that the subject's eyes follow you. But we can put that one to rest, because in a study published in the journal Perception, German scholars found that she is actually looking, dun 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 I know it's suspenseful, to the right. Anything else that you perceive is just your imagination. Some people claim that there is a hidden code in her eyes. Others are certain that the work is actually a portrait of da Vinci himself, an artist's self-portrait. Today, experts are pretty darn sure that Italian noblewoman Lisa Gherardini, that was the wife of Italian merchant Francesco del Giocondo, is the face of the Mona Lisa. We know the Mona Lisa as an iconic piece of artwork of the Renaissance, and it's considered nearly impossible to value because it's simply priceless, really. It was assessed before it once traveled from Paris to tour Washington, D.C. and then New York City for a special exhibition held between December of 1962 and March of 1963. And it was at that time when it entered the Guinness Book of Records for being given the highest known insurance valuation for a painting, $100 million. And that has helped make it the target of theft and vandalism on several occasions. The Mona Lisa has been spray-painted. It's been mugged. Most recently, caked. In 1956 alone, two people tried to vandalize the work on separate occasions. In the face of so much potential damage, Spanish artist Salvador Dali once attributed to the painting a, quote, power unique in all art history to provoke the most violent and different kinds of aggressions. The first attack on the Mona Lisa was in 1956 during an exhibition in Montauban, France, when a visitor threw acid at the work. 
At the end of December that same year, a man named Hugo Unyaga Villegas threw a rock at the painting. He said at the time, quote, I had a stone in my pocket, and suddenly the idea to throw it came to mind. Villegas' rock did not do permanent damage to the painting, although it did manage to damage a small area of the paint. The Mona Lisa was repaired by experts with the French state and was back on exhibit just days after the incident. But after such a year, the decision was made to place the piece behind protective glass. The Mona Lisa has actually rarely ever left the Louvre or France. But in the 1970s, it went on a tour that included exhibition in Japan. In 1974, nearly one and a half million people reportedly saw the painting when it traveled to the National Museum in Tokyo. And in April, during the tour, 25-year-old Tomiko Yonesu tried to spray the work with red paint. Unlike the -the in-the-moment idea to throw a random rock at the masterpiece, her attack was politically motivated. In the days leading up to the show's opening, disability activists had raised a red flag about the exhibit, stating that, In refusing access to those who needed assistance, the National Museum was discriminating against those living with disability. Yonezu, in an effort to call attention to this, hit the Mona Lisa, well, she hit the Mona Lisa's protective glass, to be clear, with an estimated 20 to 30 drops of spray paint. She was detained, and in 1975, she was convicted of a misdemeanor and fined 3,000 yen. Her brazen vandalism, though, did affect a change. Tokyo's National Museum announced it would set aside a day when those with disabilities could exclusively visit the Mona Lisa. And then things went pretty quietly for the Mona Lisa for a little while. Until 2009, more than 30 years after that spray paint incident. In August that year, the painting was again attacked, this time with a teacup. The scene that day went like this. Approaching the painting, a woman reached into her purse, grabbed the now infamous mug, and threw it directly at the face of Mona Lisa. The mug shattered, but the artwork remained undisturbed. Remember, it's under that protective glass. According to a spokesperson for the Louvre at the time, the woman had been upset over being denied French citizenship. The museum's statement to the New York Times also included that, quote, viewing was only disturbed the time it took to pick up the pieces. And then there was a very recent attack at the loop. In May of 2022, a man in his 30s disguised as an elderly woman in a wheelchair threw what museum officials later described as a concealed patisserie at the painting. Again, the protective glass installed prevented any damage to the piece. It, not the Mona Lisa, was smeared with pastry cream. Museum officials suggested that the protester, himself not living with a disability, faking it, chose to use the wheelchair to exploit their reduced mobility policy, which allowed him closer access to the painting. The vandal, before being apprehended, threw rose petals on the ground while shouting, Think of the earth. There are people who are destroying the earth. Think about it. Artists tell you, think of the earth. That's why I did this. But it was actually the theft of this painting in 1911, yes, an actual theft, not vandalism, that turned the Mona Lisa into one of the world's most instantly recognizable images. That's right. And with that, though, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. But when we return, we will introduce the man who made the Mona Lisa a household name, Vincenzo Perugia. 
Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash that's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. 
I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's tell the story about the day the Mona Lisa disappeared. The Louvre was closed for maintenance on August 21st, 1911, the day the Mona Lisa went missing. That morning, a small, mustachioed Italian man named Vincenzo Perugia, dressed in the standard uniform of a Parisian handyman, which was a white worker's smock, entered the museum, probably, maybe, with other maintenance workers, and made his way to the gallery where the Mona Lisa hung. He removed the painting from its 200-pound framed enclosure. Tucking the small panel under his smock, he then... Well, he then just kind of walked out into the streets of Paris. There is a version of this high story that has an added detail, though, and it adds a little bit of a dramatic twist, and it goes like this. Perugia hid in a storage room overnight, planning to escape with the painting in the morning. But when he tried to get out, he discovered the door was locked. He removed the doorknob, but it still would not open. Until, that is, a helpful plumber passing by in the hallway lent a hand and opened the door for him. We have no idea if this detail actually happened, but it's a fun story. Doorknob or no doorknob, there is more. Nothing about the theft was discovered until a wealthy museum patron and visiting artist, a man named Louis Berroud, arrived to sketch works in the Salon Carré. That was the gallery where the Mona Lisa was, at the time, exhibited. But where he expected to see da Vinci's masterpiece, he found only blank wall space. Of course he reported it immediately, right? Well... So, because the Louvre routinely removed works from its galleries for photographing, it actually wouldn't have been out of the ordinary to notice that a painting was missing and to think nothing of its absence. And several hours went by before the man notified the guards. We did read that from the steel to the missing painting report, or whatever that may be technically called, As many as possibly 26 hours may have passed before anyone noticed that the Mona Lisa had left the building. It wasn't until later that evening after the painting's frame was discovered in the service stairwell that museum officials announced the Mona Lisa had been stolen. That frame, incidentally, had been donated by Countess de Bierne just two years prior and had not been damaged during the heist. Stated museum officials, quote, The Mona Lisa is gone. Thus far, we haven't a clue as to who might have committed the crime. Curator Georges Benedict told the press at the time, and we're paraphrasing him here, that only a practical joker would steal such a prized painting, because it would just be too difficult to fence. And the director of National Museums at the time, a man named Jean-Théophile Lomol, who was vacationing when the Mona Lisa was stolen, stated in reaction to the news that it must have been simply misplaced, adding, quote, you might as well pretend that one could steal the towers of Notre Dame. France's gendarmes had an alternate theory. They believed that the thief would demand ransom within 48 hours. 
Two days passed, though, and nobody came forward. The entire country of France was stunned at this fact. And there were many theories circulating as to what could have become of the Mona Lisa. One popular Parisian magazine wondered, quote, what audacious criminal, what mystifier, what maniac collector, what insane lover has committed this abduction? What insane lover (laughs) has committed this abduction? I want that on my tombstone. What insane lover (laughs) has committed this abduction? (laughs) I mean, I want to be cremated, but still. You can still Um, have a marker. I can still say something. (laughs) Right? There you go. In addition to the frame found in the stairwell, some reports suggest that later in the investigation, guards spoke with a plumber who recalled helping a man who was locked in a stairwell. So that kind of leads into that little detail we talked about earlier. But back to that frame. There was a single thumbprint found on it. Paris police inspector Alphonse Bertillon was the first to recognize the value of fingerprints in law enforcement. And as an aside, he's also credited with developing the mugshot. He had, it's reported, hundreds of thousands of prints on file. Too many to check against the one found on the frame. So instead, he fingerprinted all 257 employees who had been working at the museum that day. Perugia had briefly worked for a firm that cut glass for the Louvre, although we did find some reports suggesting that he had actually just been an employee of the museum. But that's a little unclear, and we don't know if he was fingerprinted. Detectives dusted for fingerprints and questioned witnesses. Cars and pedestrians were stopped and searched at checkpoints throughout the city, and officials circulated those wanted-style posters of the Mona Lisa's face. The New York Times wrote that, quote, a great number of citizens have turned amateur Sherlock Holmeses and continued to advance most extraordinary theories. Some thought a forgery ring thieved it and were selling knockoffs to wealthy but naive art patrons. Others argued that the man behind the theft had to be banking magnate J.P. Morgan, who many believed to be a robber baron, and who many believed had surely commissioned this heist for his own private art collection. One popular rumor in Paris specifically was that Germans had stolen it. There were many, many, many theories here. When French police distributed 6,500 leaflets about the theft, and announced a reward for 40,000 francs for its return, people started to turn on each other. Neighbors informed on neighbors. There were stories of alleged sightings of the painting in places as far away as Russia and Japan. Despite no good leads on the Mona Lisa's whereabouts, as an aside, the museum did, in the process, recover some other stolen loot that was unrelated to this particular theft. Well, there you go. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> we got something. Like <laughs> I didn't even know this was missing. <laughs> this was a big, big story for news media, and their coverage of the heist helped turn the work into a notable and recognizable piece of art. Suddenly, the face of the Mona Lisa was everywhere. As a modern audience, it's kind of hard to grasp that when the Washington Post first reported about the theft and appraised the painting's value at $5 million, the newspaper mistakenly ran a picture of the Monavana, which is a distinctly different piece of art. 
The Mona Vana is a nude charcoal sketch that some art historians theorized Da Vinci might have drawn in preparation for painting the Mona Lisa. But maybe not. Either way, it's definitely not the Mona Lisa. And so that's, a, I mean, that's actually really a great example of how unknown this work was before it was stolen. Noah Charney, art history professor, author of The Thefts of the Mona Lisa, and founder of the Association for Research into Crimes Against Art, has said, quote, If a different one of Leonardo's works had been stolen, then that would have been the most famous work in the world, not the Mona Lisa. He added, quote, there was nothing that really distinguished it, per se, other than it was a very good work by a very famous artist. That's until it was stolen. The theft is what really skyrocketed its appeal and made it a household name. At first, a color reproduction was hung in the Mona Lisa's place at the Louvre. Then, in December 1912, Raphael's portrait of Baldassare Castiglione was exhibited there. The investigation remained open, but after two years, there were very few leads. On September 7, 1911, avant-garde writer Guillaume Apollinaire, who had once called for the Louvre to be burned down, was arrested and held on suspicion of theft of the Mona Lisa. Apollinaire became a suspect after one of two things happened. His chapter in this story is told two different ways. One, authorities were able to link missing figurines stolen from the Louvre to one of his former assistants, Gary Pierret, who was also a small-time thief. And Pierret spilled the beans on the art heist. Alternatively, there is a version that suggests that Apollinaire and Pierret had a falling out, and Pierret told the Paris Journal newspaper that he had information on the Mona Lisa, information that included Apollinaire. Regardless of which version of the story you hear, the outcome was the same. Apollinaire was exonerated of all charges and he was released. But during his time in custody, he did implicate his friend, Spanish artist Pablo Picasso, in the theft. Picasso had purchased Iberian Bronze Age statues stolen by Pierret. That's a detail we can't be sure if Picasso knew about or not. But he had purchased those to use as models in his paintings, and you can see them in his work. Les Demoiselles d'Avignon is a piece that's considered to have ushered in the style of cubism, and those models were used for it. After questioning, though, authorities dismissed Picasso as a suspect. They did seem to talk to everyone, and they even interviewed Perugia. Twice! Twice! In, <laughs> in his apartment at 5 Rue de l'Hôpital Saint-Louis, just three miles from the museum, uh, they interviewed him before concluding that he could not be their man. His alibi? Well, we came across two in the research, although the first one is much more commonly reported. That first one is that Perugia may have claimed that he had been working at a different location the day of the theft. The second one suggests that Perugia may have replied that he learned of the theft from reading about it in the newspapers and that the reason he was late to work that Monday in August was that he had drunk too much the night before and overslept. Regardless, we know he did it. So. <laughs> Uh, what authorities did not know, though, at the time, was that they were actually in the presence of the Mona Lisa during those interviews. It was stashed in the false bottom of a trunk in Perugia's apartment while they were there questioning him. So, with the Mona Lisa case at this point, the authorities were completely stuck. 
We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor now. And when we're back, we will talk about the letter that Perugia sent to a dealer in Florence and the reply he received. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about Perugia's mistakes and his subsequent arrest. The image of the Mona Lisa was, as we have said, suddenly splashed across front pages of newspapers around the world. 60 detectives seek stolen Mona Lisa, French public indignant, reported the New York Times. Said author and historian Charney, quote, the museum had over 400 rooms, but only 200 guards, and 
even fewer on duty overnight. There were basically no alarms in play. It was under secure. But to be fair, most museums were at that time. The theft, he continued, quote, launched the painting into becoming a household name for people who had never been to Europe and had no interest in art. And it's really just continued from there. In fact, for the very first time, there were queues of people outside the Louvre. Among them were famous names, including writers Franz Kafka and Max Brode, each waiting for their chance to see the empty space where the painting should have been on the wall. As the theft gained more and more press attention, both within France and internationally, Perugia kept the painting hidden, and it just sat there in his apartment. According to Christopher Marinello of Art Recovery International, which is a company that provides art recovery services to museums as well as to private collectors, Perugia's behavior of stealing and hiding a painting for years is actually a pretty common thing among art thieves. He says, quote, a typical art thief tries to get money. When they can't hide it, they store it until they can get money. As soon as art is stolen, it decreases in value. This happened even in the 1800s when there was no internet. Today, everyone knows about every single art theft, whether a turn-of-the-century Matisse painting or a seven-foot garden gnome. The prefect of the police had several theories and was quoted in a 1912 article in the New York Times as saying, The thieves, I am inclined to think there were more than one, got away with it all right. So far, nothing is known of their identity and whereabouts. I am certain that the motive was not a political one, but maybe it is a case of sabotage brought about by discontent among Louvre employees. Possibly, on the other hand, the theft was committed by a maniac. A more serious possibility is that La Gioconda was stolen by someone who plans to make a monetary profit by blackmailing the government. Yeah, just in case you didn't recognize, La Gioconda is another name for the Mona Lisa based on the fact that it is probably Lisa Giacondo in the work. So, yes, unbeknownst to everyone at this point, everyone but Perugia, of course, the Mona Lisa was actually still in Paris. And then Perugia made an attempt to sell it to a man named Alfredo Gheri, a Florentine antique dealer who frequently advertised for fine art in several Italian newspapers. On November 29, 1913, Gheri received a letter postmarked from Paris regarding the potential sale of the Mona Lisa, details of which would be agreed upon during a personal meeting. That letter was signed Leonardo. But the sale backfired when the dealer called on Giovanni Poggi, director of the Uffizi Galleries in Florence, for an appraisal and set up a meeting with Perugia and Poggi in Milan. The men gathered in Perugia's room at the Tripoli Italia Hotel, where he removed it from its red silk wrapping. Gary later wrote, quote, We placed it on the bed, and to our astonished eyes, the divine Mona Lisa appeared intact and marvelously preserved. Poggi confirmed that, yes, this was the original work, and he convinced Perugia to leave it with him at the Uffizi for safekeeping. Perugia demanded $100,000 in expenses, and they agreed to both that and to his selling price, half a million lire. We did, however, see that asking price alternately referenced as half a million francs. In any case, he wanted a lot of money for it, although not anywhere close to what it was worth. Regardless, though, the men did not go to the bank. They instead contacted the Italian police. 
And on December 12, 1913, the Mona Lisa was recovered in Florence, Italy. The painting was returned to Paris, but first was exhibited at the Uffizi through the end of the year. It's estimated that at least 120,000 people visited the painting in the first two days after it was reinstalled in that empty spot on the wall. Yeah, to give you context for how many people that is, if you have ever been to the Louvre on a standard day, we quoted earlier, that's about 30,000 people. Wall to wall, elbow to elbow, like, it is a tight situation. So double that number, complete madness. This was huge. These are huge It was a very big deal that it was back. Vincenzo Perugia was arrested in his hotel room. His courtroom appearance has been described as, quote, unhinged. Or if you look at the colorful Italian phrase in the court reporting, quote, fuore come un balcone. That translates literally as outside like a balcony. It's kind of a saying that suggests that things are just absolutely madness. In court, Perugia shouted and he interrupted witnesses. He argued with prosecutors. He argued with his own lawyer. He first stated that he worked alone on the heist, but then he recanted and implicated two of his friends, neither of whom, it turned out, were actually involved. Wherever his story meandered, though, he always maintained this one thing. His theft of the Mona Lisa was an act of patriotism. Perugia claimed that he had taken the painting out of a patriotic duty to bring it home to Italy. He was convinced that the painting had been stolen during battle between France and Italy centuries earlier, and he did not seem to know that it had actually been purchased by the King of France, fair and square. Author and historian Noah Charney has said of Prussia, quote, he seemed to have genuinely been convinced he would be heralded as a national hero and genuinely dismayed to discover he wasn't. He was maybe a few pickles short of a sandwich, but not a lunatic. Perugia did have other convictions. He was known to be hot-headed, and he had prior arrests for robbery. But there was also a kind of weirdly suspicious thing that authorities found in his apartment. He had begun keeping a journal of sorts that included a list of art collectors, curiously enough. And that's the evidence that led most people to assume that he had actually done this heist out of one simple thing, greed and not patriotism. On June 5th, 1914, Perugia was sentenced to one year and 15 days in prison by Florentine courts, a sentence it was reported that was considered to be pretty light. We actually read a lot of conflicting sentence information for him, but it seems that he served anywhere between six months to that one year and 15 days. Of the Mona Lisa, Perugia has said, quote, I fell in love with her. Years after the painting's return, newspapers called the disappearance of the Mona Lisa, quote, the most colossal theft of modern times, and also stated matter-of-factly that Perugia gave the painting its world fame. The Mona Lisa continues to be owned by the government of France, and it is on permanent display, behind that bulletproof protective glass, of course, in the Louvre in Paris. Occasionally, there are requests for the Mona Lisa to travel as a special exhibit, including one request in 2013 from the Italian city of Florence, which would have returned the Mona Lisa to her origins at least temporarily. That request was denied. The AFP news agency owned by the French government published that, quote, the request may have stirred up bad memories among French officials 
given that it was stolen by an Italian. Ah, mamma mia, let's talk about our heist hooch. (laughs) (laughs) The heist hooch for this one took me a couple tries, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you just want to experiment a little anyway, but here's what I was trying to think about, because the thing that I was trying to honor in all of this is that this is a painting that's very important to two different national identities. France considers this their baby in some ways. We talked in the episode about how upset the French public was that she had been stolen, and 120,000 people in two days being just a crush of humans. And like, again, if you have ever been to the Louvre and seen the Mona Lisa, you don't even really get close to her. No. Not only is she behind glass, she is at a distance. That is a lot of people to see her at a pretty significant remove. Similarly, I know that Perusha would not have been the only person to consider her important to Italy. They may not have the misunderstanding he had about the nature of her arrival in France. But she's obviously also very important to Italian culture because of da Vinci. And Florentine culture in particular, too. I wanted to come up with a drink that kind of crisscrossed these things. But the drink I'm coming up with is not really a French drink, although it is called the French 75. And it was invented in Paris. It was invented by a Scottish guy during World War I. We'll still drink it. it It's a reference to artillery blast. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever had a French 75, it is one of those those beverages I have gotten very fond of in recent years, which is really just gin and champagne with a little simple syrup and lemon. I have never, so I'm curious about this. Yeah. It is my go-to brunch drink. You keep your mimosa. I'm drinking a French 75. It's because of the gin. I just never would have ordered it. Now that I'm coming along with gin, perhaps I will. And then, of course, I wanted to think about that and Italianify it. That's a word today. But I did it in a very different way. So, first of all, this is a drink I'm calling She's in the Trunk. You're right. It is a name that I love. (laughs) I I thought it would make you giggle. We're not doing gin, though, and we're going to use some ingredients that are a little more Italian in origin. The first one, not necessarily, but it's common throughout the world. We're going to do an ounce of dark rum, then an ounce of amaretto, which is, of course, very Italian. I think after this, you're probably going to want to add just a splash of simple syrup or jaw. If you use or you're doubling down on that almond flavor. And that's very much one to taste because some people don't like much sugar in a drink like this and some people do. But then you're going to top it. You can mix those together in a shaker if you want, or you can stir them together. But you want I recommend stirring with ice because you want them to be cold because you're going to pour them into a chilled champagne glass and top it with four to five ounces of Prosecco. This is one of those things. It's interesting. If you look up in like bartending guides, French 75s, they're considered to be not really that strong a drink, even though it's all alcohol. Champagne's ABV is low enough. However, if you're like me, you can drink spirits all day long, but champagne really will hit you hard. It does get My good. goodness. <laughs> Heaven. I don't know what the deal is there. It's not like I'm drinking it faster. Like people are like, oh, because you drink it faster because like, no. there's. I'm like, no. Even if I'm just sipping, I don't. I'm champagne sensitive for some reason um, or Prosecco, any of the sparklings. Get me. The bubbles do something. Must be. Anyway, this will hit you hard if you're not careful. So (laughs) to do the mocktail version, 
you're going to do an ounce of, I would do like a dark spiced tea, like a tea meant for a chai or something in lieu of that dark rum, because dark rum is often spiced as well. You're going to do probably half an ounce to an ounce, if you really like sweet, of an orgeat syrup. So you do get that almond flavor that you would get from Amaretto. And then you're just going to do like a light ginger ale on top of that. And you'll still have a nice amber colored, as we are heading into autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a pretty good autumn sip that isn't all of the like traditional flavors. If you're one of those people that's, I'm burned out on pumpkin and apple things. I don't understand that, but I do know that people get that. <laughs> Happens from time to time. That yummy almond flavor with the Prosecco feels very much like a cheerful version of fall to me. Mm-hmm. It's quite yummy. So that is, she's in the trunk. She's in the trunk. Which sounds a little dark if you don't know it's about a piece of art, uh, but we all know, so it's fine. <laughs> and hopefully, if you try it, you drink responsibly and you're careful. And if you try the mocktail, you will find it refreshing and delightful as well. Those bubbles won't get you. You can drink them all day. It might make you burp. That's the, worst, <laughs> the worst that can happen. The worst that can happen. You'll burp. Have a yummy almondy flavor. <laughs> Just be reminded so, how good the drink was. <laughs> I'll make another. With- <laughs> We are so thankful that you have spent this time with us today talking about the Mona Lisa, who is a fascinator, that's for sure. And we cannot wait to see you right back here next week where we will have another art heist and some more beverages. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.